week, but Luke chapter number 10, verse number 38. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, now it came to pass, as they went who Jesus and his disciples, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Mary, or excuse me, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for the wonderful Sunday school hour. Lord, is, Lord, we're reminded to live in the light of eternity. Lord, that we're not living for this life alone. Lord, the amount of money that's in or out of my bank account this morning. Lord, those things that I do on a physical sense. God, the things that I have, material things. Lord, none of that compares to what I have in eternity. And Lord, we have the promise of that great reunion that we sang about. Everybody will be happy over there. Those that have been saved by the grace of God, those that have been changed by the wonderful power of Christ, God will spend all of eternity rejoicing and praising your name for being so good to us. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of heaven. But Lord, heaven ought to impact this life. It ought to impact the choices that we make, the decisions that we come up with. Help us, Lord, this morning to live in the light of eternity. I ask you this morning, Lord, as we get into the, the preaching now, and God, that you hit me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with your spirit. Lord, I just don't want to say things because they sound good. Lord, I want to preach the word of God this morning. God, I want lives to be changed. God, I want people to be helped, Christians to be challenged, sinners to be drawn to Christ. And Lord, I can't do that by myself. Lord, I need your help this morning. Lord, I stand in need, a great need of you this morning. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you'd open, help us to open up our hearts, help us open up our ears to listen on purpose. And Lord, as we'll see in the scripture this morning, Lord, there's a lot that we can worry about. There's a lot that can grab our attention. But I pray, Lord, just for a few moments, God, we'd sit at your lap this morning and listen to you talk to us through your word. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. There's a phrase that you've probably said it more than once in your life. I say it quite often. And the phrase is this, one of these days, one of these days, I'm finally going to get to do what I want to do or what I think I want to do. But in reality, right now in this stage of my life, the phrase goes like, one of these days, it's gonna slow down. One of these days, I'm finally gonna get a break. One of these days, life in itself is gonna, gonna pull down the brakes and shift down the gear, and I'm just gonna have an easy life. And the more I tell myself to that, the less I'm starting to believe it. Because the more I live, it seems like the busier life is getting. It's come to the point nowadays where I'm trying to break it up by the seasons. Boy, once we get through summer, and fall comes around, the time of pumpkin spice lattes and cinnamon rolls and all the ooey gooey goodness that comes with that, life will slow down. But here's the thing, my fall is already booking up. 
We've got things and new programs that we're gonna start again and get back into and, and, and different activities, uh, not just in ministry-wise, but with family. And it seems like, uh, I don't know if summer's ever gonna slow down enough for me even to get into fall and catch my breath. And then I'll say this, well, once I get through fall, it'll be wintertime. It'll finally slow down. But I've learned when it comes to being a pastor, when it comes to being a part of the church like I am, those times just become more busy. It's just one thing after another. I said, well, finally, we'll get through winter and spring will be here. And then you realize you spend all the spring getting ready for summer. And then summer turns into fall and it's that cycle over and over and over again. But sometimes not even just in the seasons of our year and our life, we say things like this after the kids are grown. Then finally things will start to slow down. How many of us can test this morning? There ain't a slow day when there's a child in the house. <laughs> yeah, amen. Goes right there. Oh, but I love it. But we'll say after the kids are grown, they're out of the house, I finally slow down. And this weird thing happens. Will you call, hey, would, would you come back? <laughs> Bring the kids, let them see grandpa and grandma. Let me spoil them like I never spoiled you. My kids, my mom and sister are still in town. Had a wonderful time with them being here. They came back from the grocery store uh, when they first got here. They're pulling out cinnamon toast, pancakes. I didn't know those things existed. <laughs> Donuts. Cream-filled cinnamon roll things, cinnamon rolls. One of them think muffins. There was something, I don't know, I can't remember what it was. But one of my kids said, well, it looks good. And so my mom bought it for him. I thought, when I was a kid. <laughs> I shared the story, I don't think I've shared it here or not. But I remember one time I finally had a coupon for Spider-Man cereal. And I understand now why my mom said, no, that's just $5 a box. No cereal's that good. <laughs> but I finally had a coupon. And I, I'd gotten that Spider-Man cereal off and I put it in the cart. And somehow or another, as I was going down to the checkout, I flipped the cart over. I still remember it. I flipped the cart. Everything went everywhere. And I lost that coupon. And I go put the box back. Nowadays, all I gotta do is say, it looks good. <laughs> but no, we say, when the kids are grown, life will slow down. When I retire, life will slow down. Brother Ray, has it slowed down any? <laughs> but here's the thing, what I'm trying to get to this morning is that if we live only for the next stage, if we live thinking, once I get there, life will finally be what I want it to be, we'll miss out at the very place that we are and what God has for us now. This morning we're looking at a lady by the name of Martha who has this mentality that if everything would just get fixed, then I could enjoy what everybody else is doing. I could enjoy my time with the Lord. She wants to, and no doubt she wants to. She's allowed him in this morning, but she can't. And it's not because really she has too much going on. She's missing the main thing. She's missing what is literally right there in front of her. Her sister's got it. Her sister's come to this understanding that there's a lot that has to take place, but we gotta keep the main thing, the main thing. I wanna preach on this thought this morning about missing 
the main thing. I believe every Christian can stay focused on the main thing, which is Christ, by noticing the following truths presented right here in Luke chapter number 10. Notice number one this morning, we see the entrance of the Savior. We see the entrance of the Savior, verses 38 and 39. We see as the Lord comes to this place where he is and he eventually goes into the home of Martha and Mary. But up until this point, the Lord has been quite busy. If you flip back a few chapters in Luke, you'll find the Lord on the top of Mount Transfiguration. There he is in the Shekinah glory of God. There's Moses and Elijah, and there's Peter opening his big mouth, no doubt. But he's seen Christ in a way that no other man has ever seen him. He's transfigured himself and showed himself to be the very son of God. He comes down off the mountain and he commissions 70 of his disciples to go out and preach the gospel, to do miracles and to do great things. And they come back and they're ecstatic and they're, they're excited and they said, Lord, even the devils are listening to us. And they are following underneath our commands. As a matter of fact, at this point, the Lord is already, he's reasoned with many degree. Luke chapter number nine, that young lawyer comes to the Lord, that lawyer comes to the Lord and says, you know, I understand that I'm to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and I'm to love my neighbor as myself. And he says, but Lord, who is my neighbor? And Jesus doesn't say, well, let me think about that. Uh, I'll get back to you. He says, let me tell you a story real quick. He tells that great story of the Good Samaritan. And he asks that young man, that young uh, lawyer, said, who is your neighbor? And he says, go and do likewise. So here the Lord has been busy. He's commissioned men to go out and preach. He's transfigured himself on top of a mountain. He's told great truths to uh, learned and educated men. But then the Bible says in verse number 38, it says, and it came to pass, as they went, he had entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him under a house. I like to think about it this way. As we get to verse 38 and verse number 39, we see that great lens where it's, we're, we're looking at the overview of Christ's ministry. We're seeing great things and wonderful things happening. And that lens begins to close in and close in and close in until it's just the Lord, Martha, and Mary in the focus of the lens. But I want you to notice this morning that word certain is used twice in verse number 38. That word draws us in. First of all, it draws us into a certain proximity. Notice this this morning in verse number 38 and said they, that he entered into a certain village. But if you go to the phrase before, the Bible says, as they went. Now, I'm gonna give you a quick, quick English lesson. They is a group. He is singular. Right? And so in essence this morning, they were following Jesus until he went to a certain village. They were walking with, I'm not saying they abandoned him this morning. I'm not saying they turned around and ran away from them. But we noticed it was not their idea to go to the certain village. The Bible says, and he went, or he entered in to a certain village this morning. Now, if you study your Bible, you'll find out that Mary and Martha had a brother named Lazarus. That was the one that Jesus raised from the grave. He called out of the tomb, came up with his grave clothes on. God had brought him back to life. The Lord had, had resurrected Lazarus. But we find out in the other gospels that they lived in a town called Bethany. 
And we see here this morning, if you'll study that word out, Bethany is a wonderful name for a place. It translates or it could be defined as this, the house of misery. The house of misery. Can I understand, can I, can I say this morning, I can identify with the they. Lord, I don't want to go there. Lord, don't you know what that name, well, that's the house of misery. That's Bethany. Ain't nothing good in Bethany. They were following, but he entered in to the village this morning. What are you, what are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say this, but I'm glad that Jesus is going, willing to go places that most people won't. I'm willing that he knows what it's like to cross over onto the wrong side of the tracks. I'm glad he knows what it's like to go to places where most people wouldn't even give him the time of day. I'm glad this morning that Jesus entered into a place called Bethany, the house of misery, because there was a certain place with a certain person that needed the help from the Lord this morning. Can I say this where I'm glad the Lord knows where we are this morning? Society's probably given up on you. Mom and daddy done said there ain't nothing else we can do with you. Friends have forsaken you. You're saying, is there anybody that knows where I am? Oh, can I say this morning? There is one, and his name is Jesus, and he's willing to, he's not saying, hey, come where I am. Get your act together. Get your life together. Straighten up, clean up, and then come to me. He said, no, I will go to where you are, but I will not leave you where you are this morning. Notice this. There was a certain proximity. There was a certain village that he entered into. But notice this, there was a certain person. See, that, that, that lens is focusing in. Now we've come to Bethany. It's kind of like Google Maps. You put in your location, it takes you all the way from Africa to Hepzibah. <laughs> Zooms in on you. Now we've gone from Bethany. Now we get to a certain woman named Martha. Now, I don't know Martha's parents this morning. I'm not trying to start anything, Brother James. I'm really not. <laughs> it just hit me. There is someone in the church named Martha. <laughs> but you look the word Martha up. Her name literally means she was rebellious. Now, I don't know, Brother James. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but somewhere along the line, Martha's parents said, as she was born into this world, she's rebellious. Well, that's probably because they gave Mary the better name, right? Mary's name means she was rebellious. <laughs> it's a transfer back to Miriam in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew. But notice this morning, she was rebellious. And now here's this rebellious woman living in the house of misery called Bethany. And nobody has come her way but yet here's a man who said, I will not only go to the place that nobody else wants to go to, but I'll go to a place and to a person that nobody else can help. And I will show up in her life. Out of all the people in Bethany, I mean, he's talked to lawyers. He's got 70 men he's commissioned. He's transfigured himself. He's talking to Moses and Elijah who've already died on the top of Mount Transfiguration. But he leaves all of that. He heads to a little place called Bethany. He meets a little woman named Martha. The one with a bad name. The one that was rebellious. Can I say this one? I'm glad that the Lord can cross into the wrong side of the tracks. I'm glad that the Lord isn't concerned about the socioeconomic background of that people are grown up and he's not scared of any environment. He's not scared of any place this morning. But I'm glad that he's not just willing to go to those places. He's willing to find the people that are in those places. Change their life. 
There's a young lady. She goes to church across town. And I went to high school with her. In high school, she was wild. High school, she lived a life that I guess is being pumped and primed by MTV. She lived that life. Two children out of wedlock. But not only did I go to school with her, but I worked with her. She got fired when I worked at Sonic because she stole money from customers. She said, preacher, that's a terrible person. It's a terrible person this morning. But notice here, I got word of her getting saved at Canaan Baptist Church. I thought, I wonder if that's the same person that I know. And so we showed up there one night for service. And sure enough, it was her. I said, I know you. We went to school together. We worked together. And she said, yeah, there's a lot of things I ain't proud of. She said, but I'm glad Jesus found me, saved me. She's now married, got a, another son that was been born and raising her children up in the admonition of the Lord. But I, I listened to her for about 30 minutes talk to my wife about how important prayer is in the Christian. I stepped back and said, that ain't the same person. That can't be the same person. But God has made a change in her life. God is willing to go where most people weren't. And God's willing to go to somebody that most people had given up on. And God changed her life. Can I say God could do the same thing for you this morning? But notice here this morning, there was a certain person. There was a certain proximity. But notice there was a certain place. The Bible said that the Lord has entered into Bethany. He has approached Martha. And Martha says, come on in. Come into my house. There's an invitation in. Now we know that this morning the man is to be the head of the house. We understand that this morning according to the scriptures. But I am a firm believer that the woman is the heart of the home. They are the emotional, because listen, in my house, I, I get emotional, but half the time it's when I'm playing <laughs> or when I'm correcting. But Miss Becky, she's, she's different. See, if it was just me raising my kids, it, it, I'd be tough on them. Dad, I skipped my knee, get over it. Dad, I broke my arm, you'll be all right, it builds character. Matter of fact, nowadays when they get hurt, they just go to mama. <laughs> Mama love on them, take care of them, make them feel all better. Got the magical kisses that heal everything. Daddy's got a beard, it just hurts. <laughs> but you got to realize this morning when Martha was inviting him in, she was inviting to everything that she held sacred and dear in her own life. Lord, you can come in to my house. Notice here this morning there was a certain person, a certain proximity, but there's a certain place. And I'm glad when Mary said, yes, Lord, you can come in. Jesus didn't say, all right. I'll see you later. I'm not going to stop in. There's a crowd out there that I got to deal with. There's commissioned disciples that I got to deal with. There's lawyers out there that I got to argue with and Pharisees that I got to correct. Sorry, Martha, don't have time for you. I was just trying to be nice and come by, but I really don't want to in. Now, the Bible says he enters in to her house, received him in to her house. Why? He hadn't come for the crowd, he hadn't come for the prestige. He hadn't come for the fame. He'd come to help this lady named Martha. He hasn't come for the crowd. He's come for a certain person and for a certain reason to show her what was missing in her life. Martha was doing some good things, but she was missing the main point. Let me ask you this one. Have you ever had a personal experience with Christ? Or has it always been a close proximity experience?
You've heard other people talk about it. You've heard other people explain it. You've heard other people rejoice about it and praise the Lord for it. But you've never had that personal experience with Christ. You've never had that time of invitation where you said, Lord, I want you. Would you come in and save me? We see, number one, the entrance of the Savior. Notice, number two, this morning, we see the expectations of Martha. Look at verse number 40. But Martha was cumbered about. Sometimes I read too fast and I read that cucumbered about. Doesn't make the same amount of sense. But Martha was covered about with so much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that you help me. Now, we knew my mom and sister were coming down. The kids did not know they were coming down. And so as we were getting ready for camp, we were also getting the house cleaned up and everything uh, together in order in the house. And how many of us know this morning, when you know somebody's coming, that cleaning just hits different. <laughs> you clean your house as if you don't ever live there. You clean your house as if one speck of dirt will cause them great offense. You can't just wash the dishes. You gotta wash them, dry them, and put them up. You can't just fold the laundry, or you can't wash and dry the laundry. You gotta put it up. You gotta fold it. Here's the thing, I don't mind washing and drying laundry. Something about folding it bothers me. I don't mind washing dishes, but something about putting them up, it just bothers me. But when you know somebody's coming, you take care of all of that. You make sure it is clean to the best of your ability. <laughs> How do you know that I've accepted you as a real friend? When you come to my house and there's still dishes in the sink, <laughs> laundry's still in the basket. But notice here this morning, Martha allows the Lord in and she does what so many of us try to do. He's here. Now I've got to impress him. I don't want him to notice that there's anything wrong with my life. I don't want him to notice that, that everything isn't where it's supposed to be. I remember preaching this a few years ago. I preached it here a few years ago and I had a little bit, not little Miss Hannah, she was grown Miss Hannah. She was over here serving and she was doing all of this and her back was turned the person who's being the Lord. And so here's Martha. She's so concerned about everything else, trying to get everything else exactly how it's supposed to be. She's missing out on who's literally sitting in her living room. I want you to notice the busyness of Martha. The Bible says she's cumbered about much serving. Now, if we raise our hands and say, who's, who wants to serve the Lord? We'd all raise our hands. I want to serve the Lord, preacher. But notice here this morning, here is Martha and she's serving, but there's an adjective that is tied to it. And it's the word cumbered. It means she's been drawn away. She's been distracted. She has become over-occupied. What is she trying to do? She's trying to tidy everything up to make sure it's perfect so the Lord doesn't see any flaws. How many of us try to do that in our life, Lord? I do this, Lord, and I do that for you, Lord, and I, I'd spend time with you. Well, I gotta get all this stuff together first, Lord. As if he doesn't know that our whole life is, 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 is full of problems and issues this morning. My goodness, he created us. He knows what we go through. He's been tried in every way that we have this morning. He knows our faults and our failures, and he knew that before he showed up at Bethany. And yet he was still willing to go to Martha's house. Here's the thing. Preacher, how do I know that my services got off? when you're no longer draws you closer to the Lord. When it no longer allows you to have sweet times of fellowship and worship with the Lord. Martha is doing many things, but she's missing the main thing. Notice the business of Martha. 
Then notice the needed assistance of Martha. Look at verse number 40. She calls out her sister and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me alone, or hath left me to serve? Uh, Lord, have you noticed? There ain't but one of us cleaning up the house, Lord. I can't help but think maybe Martha tried nonverbal signals. Maybe she tried to drop hints to Mary about cleaning the house. I can hear her slamming the dishes down on the table. You hear that, Mary? They don't come down by themselves. Boy, it sure would be good to get something to drink right now, wouldn't it, Mary? I need some cups. I don't know who's going to get them for me. I can see her. She's trying her best to, to, without drawing attention to the lack, get the problem solved by Mary. Here's the problem. Me and you should never assume things. It's better just to ask. Mary, Martha never once asked her sister to help here. Never once said, all right, Mary, I, I know you want to listen to them, but how about we get this together first? And then you go out there and sit with them. No, she steps back and says, Lord, did you notice? Lord, if I've noticed it, Lord, you had to have noticed it. That I'm the only one in here serving. I'm the only one in here making sure everything is where it needs to be. Notice this, finally Martha pleads her case to the Lord. Lord, I, I know you know everything. <laughs> I know you have resurrection power. I know you are the son of God. But did you notice what my sister ain't doing? <laughs> so many times in a Christian life, when our service has become a setback, it's no longer about what me and you are doing. It's about what they're not doing. Well, don't you see what they're not doing? Lord, don't you see what I'm, Lord, look at, look at me over here. I'm the only one here doing it. Lord, I'm the only one serving. I'm the only one doing that. Look what they're not doing. Can I say this morning, that's why our service ought to be the Lord and the Lord alone. Notice here this morning the needed assistance of Martha. She said, I need help, Lord. Haven't you noticed that? But not only did she request or ask for assistance, she asked the Lord to request it for her. Look at another request of Martha. Look at verse number 40. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Lord, I, I don't know if you've noticed or not, Lord. But if you have, why don't you tell my sister to get in here and come help me. Leave where she is, where she's worshiping you and at your feet, listening to you speak. But Lord, tell her to come in here and help me. Boy, as a parent, I can relate to that statement. Dad, tell them why they're wrong. Tell, tell them how they have disobeyed. Tell them why they shouldn't do that. And sometimes we'll have to stop our kids and say, hey, do you know or do they know that it's wrong? Well, yes. Well, if I'm going to say the same thing that you've already said, it's really not going to change much. Tell them they're wrong. Tell them they can't do that. Tell them to go to bed. I hear that here she is telling, Lord, tell her to get in here because she's not getting my nonverbal cues. She's not listening to me. What she was doing became more important than who she was doing it for. Bid her to come in here. Let me ask you this morning, have you allowed your assumptions to overshadow the actuality of your situation? Have you come to believe that you're the only one serving the Lord? Have you come to believe that you're the only one that cares about those? Let me ask you, have your things become better and bigger than the master this morning? The Lord doesn't just command attention. The Lord deserves attention. He's the only one worthy this morning. If he were to walk in here, I'd sit down somewhere and give him all free reign 
this morning. This is his church. It ain't mine this morning. This is his life. It ain't mine this morning. Whatever he wants, he ought to get this morning. And he knows what I'm made of. He knows where I come from. He knows all that about me this morning. And if he's willing to come into my house, he's not there to see my stuff. He's not there to, there, there to watch me fix problems that he could easily fix with a snap of the fingers and a few words. If he's here this morning and you're in his presence this morning, he has done so that me and you could worship him this morning. Notice here we see the expectations of Martha. We see the entrance of the Savior in the verse, not verse number three, but point number three, the explanation of the Savior. The explanation of the Savior, verses 41 and 42. Martha gave her spiel. Martha has told the Lord what to do. Preacher, I'd never do that. I wouldn't be so quick to say that. Look at verse number 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Notice the explanation of the Savior. The Lord is always going to be on the right side of any argument this morning. He's never going to choose the wrong side. He's never going to uh, allow himself to go along with false witnesses and, and falsehoods this morning. He's always going to be on the right side. So if you're in the wrong this morning, don't be shocked when the Lord's on the opposite side. Lord, tell her what to do. Lord, bid her to come. The Lord doesn't. He says, all right, Martha, let me talk to you real quick. He, he breaks it down for Martha. Notice that he reveals her condition in verse number 41. He doesn't step back and say, good job, Martha. Way to set the table. Way to make sure the water's boiling in the pot. Way to make sure, I about to say everything's in the refrigerator where it's supposed to be, but they didn't have those in Bible times. Martha, make sure everything, way to make sure everything's clean and wonderful. Way to hide all your flaws, Martha. You're doing a wonderful job. Matter of fact, he dissects it and critiques it. Not because he was being critical, because he was trying to teach her a lesson. Can I say this morning, the Lord wasn't being critical, he was being honest. Sometimes in our life, when the Lord is honest with you, it isn't always what we want to hear. Sometimes it, it hurts. Sometimes it, it, it strikes us to the core. But I'm thankful this morning that our God is honest with us. He doesn't just sweep it underneath the rug and say, oh, it's okay, it's wonderful, it's fine. Nobody deals with us like a real father would deal with his children. Our service should produce worship. Like Mary. Like Mary, notice... What is produced in Martha 1, she's careful. The Bible says she's careful in trouble. That word careful means she's anxious. She's on edge. You've got to walk around eggshells with Martha because one small word is going to set her off. And she's going to let you have it. She's careful. That's not, that means she's placing things down softly. She's anxious and she's troubled. She's disturbed. She's without peace. Literally, the one that can speak peace to the storm is in her living room. But she's so busy missing that, she's voided her life of peace. She's troubled. She's anxious. She's careful. And Jesus said, Mary is sitting at my feet, and she's comforted. Mary is sitting at my feet, and here she is, and she's, she's, she's safe. She has peace. Martha, you're in the same house as me. And you're anxious, you're worried, and you're troubled. He said, ought not to be so, Mary. Or ought not to be so, Martha. Notice there was a revealed condition. And here's the thing, the cure 
wasn't a helping hand. If Mary would have showed up and said, all right, here I am, Martha, I don't think it would have fixed the problem. Because I don't think Mary would have done it right. She said, that's not how we do it, Mary. The Lord's here. It has to be right. But no, Jesus said, you don't need a helping hand. You need to sit down and listen. You need to sit down at my feet. The cure wasn't a helping hand. That wouldn't have been enough. The cure was a holy place at the feet of Jesus. Let me ask you this one. When's the last time? Don't tell me what you did. Don't tell me about all that you've accomplished. When's the last time you just sat and worshipped him? You found your place identical to where Mary was, sitting in the goodness of God. Notice the revealed condition. Notice the realized need. He said, Martha, you just need one thing. It ain't, it ain't another cup of china. And another plate. It ain't another broom or a mop. It's, you need to come sit at my feet and worship me. What we do, what, what we do to serve the Lord can be taken away. I could lose my voice tomorrow and never be able to preach again. I could lose my ability to walk and not be able to do what I currently do. Those things can be taken away from us. But worshiping the Lord and singing in his presence and glorifying his name this morning, they can't be taken away from us. Here's the thing this morning. Notice what Jesus said in verse number 42. He said, one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Everything Mary was, Martha was worried about in her service, pots, pans, plates, cups, household items, She'll have those after the Lord left out of her house. Mary was taking part in something that once the Lord left, she physically could never do again. It'd be a memory that would never be taken away from her, that she had sat at the feet of Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, what's become your concern in your life? Is it things? Is it a promotion? Is it a place? Can I say all those things can be taken away from this morning? Well, I can tell you about the times I sat at his feet and just worshipped him. Oh, the service is far over. But Jacob, them stones we left at Camp Jackson, the Jordan River's crossed back over. It's covered back over them. But there's some memories there that I'll hold dear to my, my heart for the rest of my life. Martha was so concerned about things that really didn't matter. They might have been valuable, no doubt. They might have had history to them. But nothing compares to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and sitting in his presence. When was the last time you just worshipped him? You didn't come down to the altar and say, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to do it. Lord, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read more. I'm going to, I'm going to serve here more. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to clean the church twice in one week. Lord, I'm going to do it all. Hey, those are great things. When was the last time you just came and sat and said, Lord, thank you for being God. Thank you for saving